Nation Radio. <laughs> what you laughing about? What you like? Sauerkraut? On your, on your Polish. I like the Polish. Here we go. Collaboration Radio. So good. Welcome to Collaboration Radio. At the intersection of art, activism, and social change, that track was from DJ Lady D. It's our opening track, and we're thinking about turning that into a single, so stay tuned for that. Thank you for joining us here live on WCPT 820 AM, Chicago's progressive talk radio. We're also streaming live on Facebook right now. And you can get us a little later on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch this on YouTube. And thank you for joining us. I'm Anthony Mosley. I am Clever Action's Artistic Director. I am also the very, very lucky husband, partner. Very, very lucky. Soulmate. <laughs> Of Sandra Delgado. She is our guest today. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so that means this is the husband wife show. <laughs> it's more than that. <laughs> it is, but in the first time ever in Clever Action Radio, we have two spouses, one of them the host, the other the guest. Pretty exciting, wouldn't you say, Henry? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I'm so happy I'm here for this moment. Aww. We're birthing this moment together. Ouch. Clever Action Radio is sponsored by the Joseph and Bessie Feinberg Foundation and donors and members like you. Clever Action is a nonprofit, 27-year-old. Our mission is to build knowledge, empathy, dialogue, and action. And we do that through storytelling and community building and art, inspiring new knowledge, empathy, dialogue, and action. You can check us out at collaboration.org if you'd like to sponsor the show or buy some ads or pitch coming on. Email radio at collaboration.org. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at AV Chicago, Chicago's leading provider of AV production and event management services. If you've ever been to a collaboration show and you're like, wow, they always got the coolest lights. It always looks so wonderful in here. A lot of that is thanks to AV Chicago. But that's just the tools. We also hire amazing artists. We pay them equitably to render a co-dream sleep, a co-dream state. And we'll be doing that Friday, December 8th for our next big event. We have these events. They're called House of Belongings. They are hyper-inclusive, fun events. They tend to have music, dancing, a little theater, poetry. And this one coming up, which is our third House of Belonging event, will be featuring 
the Sandra Delgado Experience. Yes, indeed. December 8th at Epiphany Center for the Arts. And if you're listening to this, and this by the end of the show, you think, yeah, I want to go to that. Get your tickets now, soon. Um, they're going. And um, you want to be in the room when it happened. And Sandra's here on the show today. She's going to, we're going to talk about her upcoming performance of her experience. <laughs> and we're going to get to know the woman, the daughter, the sister, the artist, the mother. The mother. Yes, hello. <laughs> the lady. And more. And if you want to come to the event, if you are a Collaboration member, which is our monthly membership program, starts as little as a dollar a month. Not only do you help us make work that sparks change, but you also get all kinds of perks and access to our community and to each other. And... On December 8th, you get to come to a, a little exclusive members gathering there at Epiphany, which is a remodeled Gothic cathedral. It's like a big old church that now is a temple of music and art, and we'll be having a little pre-show gathering. So get your membership. Join us at 7 o'clock at 200 South Ashland at Epiphany Center 201, for the Arts. 201 South Ashland. 201, thank you. You'd be on the wrong side of the street. You can't miss it. <laughs> Look for the, the, the Gothic Cathedral with right. red doors. Yes. Well, here we go. And if you're listening live, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, you can call in. I implore you to call in. 773-763-9278. Uh, that's 773-763-WCPT. Hi, Sandra. Hello, Anthony. <laughs> so great to have you on the show. Life is so strange. You know, I didn't think, you know, that we'd be sitting here uh, on a radio show together with you interviewing me um, when we first met 27 years ago, but here we are. See... I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I, I was, I, it was one of the things I saw when you sang for me under the tree for the first time. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Sandra, you, you and I met in 1996. Six. Mm -hmm. What yeah. was the date? March 30th? March 30, 30th first. or 31st. First date was April 5th. 96. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well. I know. Henry's like, I wasn't born yet. <laughs> I was a, um, I was Almost. a, I was a recently turned vegan. Yes. Thin, long, long hair. hair like mm -hmm. you, Henry. Oh, wow. Skinny, a lot of polyester, bell bottoms. Ooh. Bought at thrift stores. Nice, yes. nice, mm -hmm. nice. Working at the fine artists, fine arts cafe on Michigan Avenue as a barista. <laughs> I had left my finance degree from Notre Dame in my back pocket, and I had become an artist, and I met this enchanting woman on the dance floor that first night. He's smiling at me right now. That's what the silence is, everyone. It's so sweet. <laughs> the truth is, 
that we were in a meeting with uh, an alder person on Friday, and I started going into my one of my <laughs> renditions of my story. Your origin story. My origin story that I told so many times. But today we're here to talk about your origin story. <laughs> it's not about me. But 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 you were um, a twice two time dropout from UIC, looking for. Um, looking for what? <laughs> Love. Uh, looking for a clue. Looking for a <laughs> direction. Um, yeah. I mean, at that time when we met, yes, I I had uh, dropped out. I mean, I feel like if that's not my origin story. I mean, no, I gotta go. No. I gotta go further back than that to how I ended up there. Let's go. Let's let's yeah, go. Um. You know, I, I've been thinking about this because uh, most people know me as an actor. And then a lot of people, a lot of people um, uh, know me as a writer. But what a lot of people don't know is that I really did start out in the arts as a singer and a dancer. My family is from Colombia. My parents came to Chicago in 1965 and settled um, in... Uh, in what was called, um, wow, what was it called? I mean, it's Boys Town now, um, but uh, right by Belmont and the Lake. And um, I grew up, by the time I was five years old, I was singing in a Colombian folkloric uh, choir, and I was part of a Colombian folkloric dance troupe. And for me, the arts, I mean, I didn't think of it as arts. It's just like what my family did together on the weekends. Um, so for me, the arts has always been entwined with community. And so I sang and danced all through my childhood and high school. I was in all the musicals. I was the president of the show choir. Um, any opportunity that I had to perform, I was a cheerleader. I was a dancer. I mean, everything, everything, everything. And... You know, I, I think I fell into this very familiar first generation narrative, first kid to go to college and feeling pressure to do something um, with my life. And for me, that meant and I was a really good student, actually. And uh, I got a full right scholarship to the University of Illinois Honors College. And I thought, OK, well, I have to be a doctor or a lawyer. And so I thought, OK. I'm going to be a doctor. That's what I'm going to do. And so uh, I went to UIC. I could go to either school. I could go to Champaign or I could go to UIC. And I'm a city girl. And I just, at that point, could not see myself out in the cornfield. So I stayed in the city. And uh, UIC has a great medical school. So I was like, perfect. Um, and I got about two and a half years in. And I thought, what am I doing with my life? I don't like these science classes. I don't like blood. <laughs> um, and so I dropped out. And um, at the time was not in a very good relationship and, and really like just was losing my way. Went back to school a year later. Um, they gave me my scholarship back, which is amazing. Um, they did not let me back into the Honors College, which I understood, but I did get my scholarship back and I lasted one year. 
And then I dropped out again. And really by that time, I had completely uh, tuned out. Like even the, the classes that I loved the most were psychology classes, which makes so much sense in hindsight, um, because that's what I do as an actor and, and as a writer. I mean, I love human interaction and human behavior. I'm fascinated by what we do and what we say and how we treat each other. And uh, that second time I dropped out, I was a hostess at Cafe Babariba. And one night I had to pack because I was actually moving the next day, but I didn't feel like packing because I was in my early 20s and definitely in my party girl stage. (laughs) And so I asked uh, my dear friend Emily, who was a hostess with me, what she was doing that night. And she said, hey, I'm going to hang out with some guys that I went to Notre Dame with. And you should come hang out with us because you're going to love Anthony. And she didn't even mean romantically. She just thought that we would really get along. And she was right. Because <laughs> here we are almost 30 years later. But that, that first night we met, um, it was interesting because we were at this awesome little bar that is not there anymore. It's called the Blue Note. Um, great little dive bar that used to be on Armitage, just east of Damon. And, you know, like old bar in the front and in the back. And they had a jukebox, which a lot with a lot of soul and R&B. And in the back, they had a little dance floor. And my memory of that night was that we were standing in the middle of the dance floor with all these people dancing around us. And Anthony asked me, what do you want to do with your life? And out of nowhere, I said, I miss singing. I want to sing again. And he said, well, I've never heard you sing, but I know you're amazing. And if that's what you want to do, you should do it. And I want to tell, you know, I share all of that. One, because it's a beautiful story, but also because it's just um, you never know when a question is really going to change someone's life. And it really is as simple as really taking someone else in and listening to them and asking them a question. The smallest thing can make a big difference in someone's life. So I encourage you all to do something like that for someone today or in the next week. (laughs) So from there... um, The singing somehow turned into theater because Anthony was, you know, I don't know if he shared his origin story with y'all, but he um, was going through a similar, you know, like transition. He had gone to Notre Dame finance degree and chucked all that because he wanted to become an actor and artist. And um, do you want to talk about that, Anthony? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I want to talk about you. Okay. Okay, great. Great. So, well, at the time, Anthony had begun acting and I started just kind of tagging along to things. And pretty soon I was hanging out with Collaboration Theater Company, which had just started, um, was founded by our dear friend Kimberly Sr. And Anthony became involved. He was in the third show that they ever did. And I was just always kind of hanging around. And even though I told Anthony that I miss singing, I was actually terrified to sing terrified and we were together maybe three months before I finally got up the guts to sing for him and we were in Lincoln Park and it was like late at night and we were under a tree and I sang him this Colombian love song and that opened up this door for me um, 
where I then sang like at his birthday party and Kimberly heard me sing and she said, oh, well, this next show that I'm directing for Collaboration, you should be the pre-show entertainment. And so what it was, Collaboration back then was producing shows at this little coffee house called the Cafe Voltaire. And we were doing shows in the basement, splitting the door with the cafe, charging like 10 bucks a ticket or something like that. And we had like little clip lights. But anyway, it was the mid 90s. So I was the pre-show entertainment and doing all these songs a cappella. And because it was the mid 90s, it was like Portishead and Ani DeFranco. <laughs> and I threw in some Ella Fitzgerald. And it was really, really big for me. And from there, I got involved in the theater world and, and never looked back. But interestingly enough, I wasn't doing anything that required me to sing. I never did musicals. I ended up, the bulk of my work has been in very heavy, dramatic work where, I mean, just very traumatic work, actually. A lot of, um, one of my IMDb credits is Crying Hispanic Woman. And uh, <laughs> I will say that the bulk of my work as an actor has been in that genre. And... Um, Fast forward many, many years, probably I was about, um, I don't know, I mean, several years into my acting career when I was encouraged by Collaboration, by Anthony and our associate artistic director at the time, Seth Boakley, to write something for the company for our uh, sketchbook festival, which was a festival that we did of short plays. And I was inspired to create a piece uh, inspired by my grandmother's death. And at the time, I was very scared of death. And my grandmother died one day making rice, which is, I grew up every day of my life making rice and eating rice. I love rice. <laughs> and, uh, you showing me something? Uh, and, um, I saw my grandmother minutes after she had had a stroke in the middle of making rice. So she was in the kitchen and there was raw rice scattered all over her body, around her body. And that image had stayed with me. And, and because she looked so peaceful, she looked 20 years younger, the wrinkles on her face had softened and, and it wasn't scary. It was beautiful. And when Anthony and Seth asked me to create something, pushing me artistically, because I was very scared, always do things you're scared of. <laughs> and um, so I did that. And really, the a lot of my career had been in new work. I found a home in new work as an actor. I love being in the room with playwrights as they're figuring out the world, figuring out the story, the characters, the narrative, all of that. And so I got a little insecure because I thought, well, I'm not like all these amazing playwrights that I've worked with, you know, the last 15 years or so. But I do know music and I do know movement. And so the very first piece that I created, inspired by my grandmother, Para Carmen, was a dance theater piece. And I sang in that. And I just called up a bunch of my theater, theater buddies who I knew were kind of like into that kind of theater, devising theater, not necessarily text-based theater. And I said, I have this idea. And we all got together and uh, created it. And the piece was, you know, 10 minutes long. And it became the most uh, satisfying and meaningful artistic experience that I had had up to that point. And so that was the beginning of me expressing myself as a writer. And as I continued writing, I quickly 
discovered for myself that I don't know how to tell a story without incorporating music into it somehow. And so the next step from that was a solo show that I did where I actually did start writing. It was a big monologue show, but that I uh, wove music through it. And and then I wrote this piece called La Habana Madrid, which is arguably the piece that I am best known for. And that is a Chicago history play. And that's where I find myself now. I am a Chicago girl, born and bred. There are so many stories that our city has to offer. I don't want to see another play that's set in New York. I want to write as many stories for and about us as possible until I make my transition. And so La Habana Madrid was very much inspired by my parents as well. But it is, uh, La Habana Madrid was a nightclub that used to exist on Belmont and Sheffield, not far from where my parents first moved to in Chicago. And it was a haven for Caribbean, Latine uh, Chicagoans, so specifically Cubans and Puerto Ricans, and then some Colombians, and then some other countries too. But the play really focuses on people from those three countries. And before I wrote the play, you really couldn't find anything about that uh, community and that history. And so it became an oral history project as well as a music history project that really struck a chord with Chicagoans. And uh, folks were coming back four, five, six times. We've had four sold-out runs. Uh, one of those runs was a, a collaboration with my two artistic homes, Teatro Vista, who produced the world premiere of La Habana Madrid and Collabor Action. Um, we did the final run in 2019. And yeah, and so now... Um, that show, because I played the singer in the club and also like your spiritual guide for the evening, really fully sparked um, this interest in really going for the music, like full-blown music. And so my latest project, the Sandra Delgado Experience, which is on December 8th, I really hope you'll come out, is an expression of my bilingual and bicultural experience. It's... Um, the music that I have grown up with, the music that has gotten me through hard times, through joyous times, music that has gotten me through the pandemic, and woven in between the songs are stories that I'll tell you about my life, but really centering on you as well. And my goal is for all of us to have this communal experience where I am asking you questions as well for you to think about. And at the end, we all dance and have a lot of fun. And you're going to leave the Epiphany Center for the Arts, this glorious church, feeling better than when you walked in. What a story. <laughs> and here we are. You know, it's so interesting how if you stay committed long enough... You see these kind of returns happen. Mm -hmm. These, sir, if you stick it out long enough, the circle comes back. Um, these seeds that get planted, you know, like you singing the dance floor, and now you know um, the Sandra Delgado experience, where you'll be singing for for three hundred people in a in an old in an old church that also was the home of an event Clever Action produced in 2008. Yeah. 
And, you know, I wonder what circles have yet to be completed in our, in our life together. I'm very excited to find out. <laughs> okay. One sentence answers. Okay. What would you whisper in the ear of the 10 year old Sandra Delgado back in 83? Mm. It's all, it's all going to be okay. The 20 year old. It's all going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) The 30 year old. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Go for it. The 40 year old. Oh, that's interesting, because I feel like I had started whispering to myself. I was going to say, go for it. But at 40, I was like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> but 30 was go for it. But, yeah, I know. But 40 was, yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Do it. I mean, 40, I mean, 40s, I just had a feeling they were going to be amazing. So what are you whispering to yourself now? To the 50-year-old? Oh, believe in yourself. The 60-year-old? Enjoy the seventy-year-old. Mm, the seventy-year-old. You still have a lot of life left. We could do this forever, but we'll stop right there. <laughs> and you know, th- there's a lot of politics talked about on this on this channel, WCPT. It's a once again a very unique time in our country's history. A lot of divisiveness nat- nationally, locally. What what's on your heart as we hit into the holiday season of 2023 and what do you want our live listeners and future podcast listeners to to take from from what you bring to the table of connection and community here being alive on this little planet you know now i'm tempted to tell a story about something that happened to me this summer um where we took la vana madrid to orange county to california and uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with the show, uh, like I said earlier, it's a Chicago history play with music. There's a live band. It's a reimagining of the club. You walk in and you're in the club and you meet the patrons of the club. And uh, it's a what I would say is a wholesome show that doesn't shy away from Chicago history. Uh, and Chicago history of the 60s and also what was happening in that time. And it deals with racism and police brutality and gentrification and classism and racism and all of, all of the big ones. But overall, a very family friendly show. And um, the reaction um by some people, I mean, overwhelmingly people enjoyed it, um, but there were some people that were calling the theater, complaining about some of the content, which really had to do with history that people didn't want to face. They thought they were coming to a really fun, like, Latino show where Latinos were going to sing and dance for you. And it's like, yeah, the show is that. We are going to sing and dance for ourselves. (laughs) Um, But we're also going to talk about what was going on. And 
and also the, the stuff that is still going on. And I, I think that's also why the show has resonated with people, because a lot of the things that we talk about in the show are still happening right now. And so people were calling the theater and complaining. And when the theater told me this, I said to them, I am happy to sit down with any patron, any staff member who wants to talk about any of this stuff, because we're not going to get anywhere unless we have these difficult, uncomfortable conversations. And at the end of the day, you don't have to agree with me. I'm not going to try to, I, I'm not going to convince you if, if, but we have to agree to sit down and listen to each other with respect. And, 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 and that's what it is. You know, that's my long answer to your question is that I want people to really see each other and also seeing, you know, there's so much talk about smashing the binary, but I feel like there's more and more binary thinking. <laughs> like we are just going to the extremes, the opposite extremes, and there's so much in between. I feel like at the end of the day, we all want the same thing uh, for ourselves and our family. So I feel like that has to be the the ground that we uh stand on together that that we all ultimately want the same things and that we do need to listen to each other with respect well and the binary is really tribalism mm -hmm. my tribe versus your tribe limited amounts of buffalo out there and it's either you get the buffalo and we go hungry or we get the buffalo and you go hungry and civilization is not yet civilized we're not fully cooked mm-hmm when, that's what you know. I have a new, um, I have a new musical called "The Boys and the Nuns." It's another uh, Chicago story. I'm working with composer Michael McBride on it, and this is my uh, 1980s Chicago story. And interestingly enough, in the same neighborhood that La Habana Madrid, the nightclub, was uh, in, but 20 years later, and that is about the fight for LGBTQ rights. And how a group of Catholic sisters banded together um, and joined these activists to pass something that at first was called the Gay Rights Ordinance. These activists had been fighting City Hall since the early 70s to pass this ordinance for basic human rights. Like, I can walk into a restaurant and order a hamburger. I can uh, go to a job and not be scared that I'm going to be uh, fired because my boss finds out I'm gay. Um, I won't be evicted from my uh, apartment. And they had been fighting since the early 70s. And by the time the mid late 80s rolled around and this ordinance hadn't been passed and AIDS starts hitting Chicago. AIDS hit Chicago later than other major cities, later than New York and San Francisco, certainly. Um, having a place to live became of the utmost importance. And, um, yeah, these sisters banded together with these activists and helped them um, eventually pass this ordinance that eventually became known as the Human Rights Ordinance. And the beautiful thing that happened with that story is that by the time the Human Rights Ordinance got passed, and probably a major reason that it got passed is that these LGBTQ activists said, you know what, we have to open this up. What other groups are marginalized? Who else can we get on board? Who else is uh, at risk of losing employment, losing a place to stay because of their identity? Oh, um, 
differently abled people. Um, people of a certain age, people of a certain race. And so this human rights ordinance ended up protecting 12 different classes of people, which I think is so beautiful. And when I first heard this story, it touched me be- because of the same reason, because here's a story that's modeling two seemingly diametrically opposed groups. We have the Catholic Church and we have LGBTQ people and they're coming together. Even though these sisters, I know some of these sisters um, morally did not agree with with LGBTQ, the lifestyle, let's say. I mean, like that's what it was called back then or how people referred to it. But... They were willing to, they, they said, but that doesn't matter. You are a human and you deserve basic human rights. And so th- that's the other thing. I mean, it, it all comes down to us just seeing each other as humans. So I love the story uh, so much. And, um, and now if, because it's me writing it, you know, I had to find a way in to center uh Latine lives, and so the the musical follows this young musician Pablo, who I say is he is gay and not out, and he is a musician and not out, and so the the story is you know him finding his way in the world, and uh, it's all framed around uh, this fight for LGBTQ rights, and these women religious, these sisters also fighting for equal rights within the church. There was this movement back then of women who were fighting for priesthood, and we know how that's gone. So, <laughs> wait, are you saying that if different folks from different <laughs> causes? Band together, they would be unstoppable. Yeah. Wait, are are you saying that <laughs> if all the people that basically don't believe in the system so much that they don't even vote <laughs> voted, they could put me into office? <laughs> you know, I don't want to be. I would not want that job. There's a. I don't think yeah. all, all, and and that's the main. That's a big part of the problem. Yeah. Nobody really wants to be president. Mm-hmm. Nobody really wants to be mayor. Like, or if you do, do you want to do it for the right reasons? Mm-hmm. And then when you get there, can you still fight for the reasons that you wanted to get to in the first place? It gets complicated. <laughs> and that's the great thing about being an artist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... This is uh, the freedom that I have to express myself and express my views and get to know people because so much of what I do is interview based. I I interviewed dozens of people for the boys and the nuns, um, dozens of men who who lived in Chicago, lived through the AIDS crisis and uh, the pandemic. And uh, are I mean, how many of them did I talk to that said, I'm the only one of my friend group left in the midst. And you were talking to them in during the pandemic. Yeah, that got really trippy because I started working on the piece. Yeah, it was during COVID. And uh, and I was working with students at Loyola. I was the artist in residence when I first started working on this piece. And we found ourselves in the pandemic, you know, doing a show also during a pandemic that took place. During a pandemic. One of our first guests on Clever Action Radio was Honey West. Yes. Who um, 
I met through you. Yes. You Honey didn't... consulted on the piece. One of the characters is a transgender character. And remember, I... remember Henry? I think so. That was a while ago, though. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. second or third show. Yes. She sang. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, she was incredible. She really. She's amazing. She really took the time to really think about how to use this platform. Mm-hmm. Like she really came in and had, you know, done her research about collaboration. And it was really cool. And what a beautiful person and talented artist. Um. You know, going back to your life story a little bit. Okay, so there we are on the dance floor. <laughs> and I can I can cut up multiple rugs at the same time. It's true. He is a very good dancer, everyone. Ridiculously good, especially for my size and my girth. <laughs> and and just goofy dancing That's with rhythm. Dancing, with rhythm, you know. I mean like I used to anyways. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I spin her around about 300 times, dip her a couple times, do the, do the arm, you know, the shoulder thing where you pull the hand down the shoulder. And then I said, so what do you want to do with your life? And she says, I don't know. I said, come on. She said, I never told anybody. I said, this would be a great time. She said, I want to sing. And, um, and then, you know, the, 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 she told that story earlier. And, and let me just take a moment. Now, we, I sit here with this, this esteemed artist who for two and a half decades has probably been in 40 productions, some world premieres with some legendary playwrights like Tanya Siracho, Jose Rivera, Luis Alfado, Karen Zacharias, Melinda Lopez, McDaniel Cruz, Yeah. Jessica Goldberg. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people. Brett C. Leonard. Mm -hmm. She, um, she's done some TV and film work. Yeah. Who'd you work with? Oh, God, I don't want to talk about my TV and film work. (laughs) You worked with Christian... I don't know who you're Christian. Uh, wrong name. What was that one show you were at? It was called Minds something. Uh, oh, gosh. I don't know. She doesn't care about all the. <laughs> I don't. I'll tell you about <laughs> I Zach. I don't want to talk about that. I'll tell you about. We're, we'll talk about work. Have about I, have my I told you about what I worked with? Did, did, did a film with Zach Efron? Did I ever tell you that story? Really? No. Oh, it was amazing. Dennis Quaid, Zach Efron, and I. Oh, wow. Hanging out. Three Musketeers. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine the three of us, yeah. you know? <laughs> and then she starts writing. Lavana Madrid, four sold out performances in Chicago, Steppenwolf, The Goodman, The Den Theater, Miracle Center, and then out in Orange County. She got herself on the wall on the um, Cultural Center of Chicago down there, the Carrie James Marshall mural, with the women who have made a impact on Chicago culture. Yeah, I'm actually the youngest woman on that mural. I'm uh, The mural is on the west-facing facade of the Chicago Cultural Center, and it's this beautiful mural by Carrie James Marshall. 
that, as Anthony said, has 20 women of Chicago arts and culture, and it's a series of trees. So I am on a tree with Gwendolyn Brooks and Oprah Winfrey. So no pressure. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so cool. Because I don't want to be the weak link on that mural. Yeah, you know, you know I'm like 20 years from now, like, who's she? Why is she up there? So it, um, it uh, being on that mural is an um, incredible honor, and I also see it as a... Uh, fuel and uh, really an amazing responsibility to keep doing what I'm doing. It's like if the cultural center of the city of Chicago is like, you know, uh, the, the, the body of the city, Carrie James Marshall tattooed your face <laughs> onto its back. Yes. Yes. Cause it's permanent. It's there. It's on the brick. And, and, you're you're on the board of directors of the Chicago Public Library. Yes, it is an honor to serve my city in that way. And uh, I'm a big, uh, I, I mean, I remember going to the Chicago Public Library to get my very first library card. My dad took me to the branch right on Belmont. You know, that was where we lived, right by uh, Broadway. And I remember got Chronicles of Narnia. That was my first book that I never returned. Mm-hmm. And when I was, uh, you know, you have to go to a city council meeting and they have to vote on you. They have to approve you being added to the slate of the board of directors. And so I told them the story. <laughs> that I never returned my first library book. Um, but the Chicago Public Library is amazing. And, you know, we just had a board meeting and I just get to kind of soak in the incredible work that uh, the commissioner and um, everyone uh, that is part of the Chicago Public Library system, how invested they are in Chicago and in making the library not just a place where you go to get books, but as a community center, as a resource, mental health resources, um, and just incredible, incredible programs for Chicagoans of all ages. So if you haven't been to a library lately, Please go and hang out. And there's also tons of uh, online resources that you can access from the comfort of your home. So, so Johnny on the spot, Jay Kelly, our PR guy, just posted. On <laughs> Yo. the, there's Sandra. I don't know if you can see that on Facebook. Thank you, Jay, for the assist. Uh, uh, you know. It's always good to have Jay Kelly in your corner. Uh, Jay, feel free to call in 773-763-9278 if you want to join us. Um, the library, you know, the, th- the thing that we all need to remember, and maybe I'm just talking to myself, is that the, li- the library is, the, is the, the government's way to create a portal of knowledge and ideas. And for many years, the only way to really get that stuff was in books. But now there's other ways to get knowledge and ideas. Books is one way. And it's not just about taking them in. It's also about pushing them back out. And, um, and you know, the library just has so many different programs and services and ways that they can help you grow your knowledge and your ideas. And so if you are somebody who has knowledge or has ideas and needs a place to put them or wants to water them, 
you know, go go check out your local library. Absolutely. It worked well for Chance the Rapper. It sure did. True. In my early, my, my um, you know, in my early 20s, like the, that was, I'd go to the library and go find books written by, you know, directors and actors and and artists and thinkers and Deepak Chopra. <laughs> Folks, we don't have all the answers. If you think you have all the answers, I'm here to tell you, you're wrong. You don't. We still don't. Even Elon doesn't have the answers. Nobody does. The only thing that we really know is that we are alive. And we don't even know what that means. So let's just remember to be grateful, to be alive, and to be humble with the vastness of ignorance that we all carry around. But by making art, telling stories, listening to... I mean, you know, that's how you learn and become a well-educated, interesting complex person that can then give back to your community in a major way. And Sandra, I have watched her do this over and over and over and over again. And now she's turned into quite a heavyweight complex. I mean, she's always been really smart and an empath and super thoughtful and luscious. (laughs) We've always been very luscious. (laughs) I think... I'm, I'm, there's a big interview I'm doing. I can't talk about it because it might jinx it. But I, I said that Sandra was like the heart and the warmth of collaboration. Aw. Well, thank you. And, thank you. And, um, and that's why I think that your, your music, the Sandra Delgado experience, and this is a, a, a kind of a re- uh, Updated uh, with some adjustments version of a show that you did at uh, Joe's Pub at the Public Theater in New York in August. Joe's Pub, if folks aren't familiar with it, Joe's Pub is an iconic music venue in New York that is part of the Public Theater. The Public Theater is where Hamilton started. Um, A lot of people know it because of that. But Joe's Pub is, like I said, um, legendary venue. uh, And I, the Sandra Delgado experience was there. Um, a couple months ago, and we had a great show. And yeah, this is a uh, yeah, it's um, kind of the same show, kind of different because it's a different space. It's a different space and different band. I've got some really incredible musicians from all over Chicagoland joining me. And what I am finding um, each time that I do this is just I, I just really love. You know, when you write a play. There is that distance with the audience, and and I am a performer, so I am finding something really special uh, with the SDE. So I'm not saying Sandra Delgado experienced 20 times, but with the SDE, just the, the contact that the audience and I have with each other, this this really like kind of communal thing that I'm building is is something really exciting. Um, For me, and that's being reflected back to me when I talk to audience members afterwards, uh, something that people say to me is, this is the thing that I needed that I didn't know I needed. So it's like kind of a concert, kind of a cabaret, kind of a storytelling thing, kind of a communal ritual thing. It's like 
all of these things, all these different parts of me kind of wrapped up into one. And uh, I really hope you can join me. It's it's a really great thing to grab a bunch of people you love and experience together. Um, great way to start and, off the holiday season. And where do folks get those tickets? So the show is at Epiphany Center for the Arts. So if you go to epiphanyshy.com. You will find tickets. You can also go to collaboration.org. There's a link to tickets there, and you can check out all the membership info if you want to become a member and come to the early little uh, gathering before the show starts. Yeah, we have a lot of great video content over at collaboration.org. You can actually get a link on our YouTube to watch Pata Carmen, the show, Sandra's first play that she wrote we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And... <clears throat> um. And so all of that work in, on stage, um, the research and the interviews and the writing, being a mother and a daughter, and it all kind of culminates into the, you know, the artist that you are today. And then what you're going to share with everybody on December 8th. So come on out if you want to feel a little lighter, if you want to feel a little joyous. It's, um, you know, it's... It's communal meditation for the soul. It's a vibration. It is. It is. And Nicholas Tremulus uh, is going to come out. He was a guest on the show a couple weeks ago, and you and I got to interview Nick together. <laughs> you, you got asked to write a piece inspired by the film Women Talking, mm-hmm. which won the Oscar, the Academy Award for Best Adaptation. And um, you wrote, what, what, um, what was that for Audible? Yeah, so I was commissioned by Audible. Um, three playwrights were commissioned by Audible to write 20-minute uh, um, solo pieces in response to the film Women Talking. And um, the themes in the movie, there's, um, the women are, have to vote on whether they're going to stay and have everything stay the same. Um, leave or fight. And so we were each given one of those. And uh, I was given fight. And I wrote a monologue for one of the stars of the show, uh, Sheila McCarthy, who is like the Meryl Streep of Canada. She's amazing. And um, one of the recurring themes in my work uh, is motherhood. And I really got to thinking about uh matriarchies and how to me matriarchies are utopia because matriarchies are they're kind and generous and and nurturing uh, matriarchies are worlds where we take care of each other and the land we live on and so I was you know thinking about that um, but this monologue that I ended up writing uh was a chance to explore uh, one of my favorite subjects, which is the complex relationship between um, mothers and daughters. And how do we fight for love? How do we fight for peace in our heart and lives? And, and how do we forgive? And so if you're interested in listening to that, it is free on Audible. You can just... Um, you find it under Women Talking. And I was going to share a little bit of that, but just given the course of our conversation and how much we talked about uh you know our origin story and that song under the tree i've been nursing this cold and i was like ah, i can't sing but now i really want to sing the song that i sang for you 
the very first song that I sang for you. Ooh, I was kind of hoping you. I, I had that in the back it of my head. My, it might be a little rough because I'm, you know, getting over this cold. But I feel like, I mean, that's what I'm kind of moved to do right now. Perfect. Yeah. So this is a, a Colombian love song. It's called Sindamanoy. Sindamanoy is a river. En una barquilla con rumbo a la luna los dos nos iremos en un viaje de amor tus manos tocando el calor de las mías y tu corazón junto a mi corazón sin mano hoy sin mano Sagrada laguna, refugio del sol. Las flautas del tiempo dirán a tu oído la canción que nunca te pude cantar. Y en el fondo del agua temblarán las estrellas y un rumor de olas nos arrullará y un rumor de olas nos arrullará. That was Sandra Delgado. Singing a song she sang for me under a tree in 1996. Sodom <laughs> Sandra will be on WGN this oh, yeah. Thursday morning at 9.55. Yes, with the whole band. With the whole band. The whole band, yes. So y'all, uh, thir- Thursday, December you. 7th, set your alarm to get a sneak peek of the performance after you've already bought tickets. Because I don't know, maybe the show will be hard to get tickets to by that date. Yes, there are just a few table seats left, just a few general admission seats left, so get those tickets this weekend. Seriously, epiphanyshy.com. I really hope to see you all there. We're going to have a really beautiful night together. Wow. An hour goes fast when you're sitting and listening to Sandra Delgado, doesn't it, Henry? Absolutely. How about that song, huh? That was, that was beautiful. She sang that it was three in the morning. We had gone to Shelter, which was the nightclub of nightclubs, back when nightclubs used to be cool. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I swear, uh, I saw my future floating in the tree behind her as she sung. And I saw our daughter, and I saw Lavana Madrid, and I, I saw our, our trips to Colombia and Costa Rica. And I saw what looked like a radio station. Wow. And we were there with Henry. We were there. there. I was like, who is that young, good looking Howard Stern like guy? No. (laughs) 
I'm so here, honored to be there. And here we are. It all happened. Sandra, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank for you. being here today. Thank you for listening, everyone. And um, that's our show. Clab Action Radio. That's how we do. Next week, we'll have a guest. We'll get down a little bit of clowning around as we're fighting for social change through art. Yeah. Have a great night, everybody. It's Saturday night in the city. There's no no reason you shouldn't enjoy yourself, even on the couch or at the club. Clapper Action Radio. We out.